Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. Hello, and welcome to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review so that others can be able to see the podcast as well. Now you can download the Contagious Disciple Making app on any platform. Come join the growing platform where you can access our community of disciple makers and learn from our podcast, blogs, and videos that will help you practically know how to make disciples in your life and ministry. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you to transform their communities with the gospel of the kingdom. As a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. And today, everyone, we're so excited to have have back our friend, David Watson, and uh, to talk about the subject of answering questions within a DBSs. Now, what do we mean by that? In other words, when we start DBSs with those that don't know Jesus, they could ask us questions. And I know that personally for myself as a disciple making coach that people asked me questions about questions they get and how to be able to answer them or should they answer them. And we have David here to be able to help us discuss this idea of what do we do when people who we are doing disciple making DBS with, what do we do with their questions? Well, it's good to be here. This is a, a really a deep content uh, podcast because these are the kind of questions I've heard myself for more than 30 years. And one of the things I, I learned very early is I couldn't be the answer man. I had to be the question man. That uh, if, I, if I always ask, answered questions and everyone would say, I can't learn this until I ask David the question. And, and that's just mm-hmm. not true. The, many of the questions are being asked as smoke screens. They're, mm-hmm. they're actually, they're asked by people in that lost audience, trying to deflect, trying to change topic, trying to do other things about it. And therefore, if you're not in those meetings, which I learned that very early, that as the outsider, I did not need to be in those meetings that I would coach a facilitator from within that group who was also lost. The facilitator was lost. And then they didn't have the capacity to answer a lot of those questions. And when they would come to me then at the debrief and say, well, I got this question. I didn't know how to answer it. I said, that's okay. You don't have to answer every question. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we study, that stuff will become clear. And, And they go, oh, okay. And after three or four weeks of you not answering those questions that they got, they stopped trying to answer those kind of questions. And they began to just say, look, let's just look at what the scripture has to say. And as we study, it will answer our questions because yeah. that I, that's what I kept saying to them. You know, Dave, that is a really interesting uh, facet of that. We always assume that questions mean that people really don't understand or they're really searching for whatever. But as you said, sometimes there's smoke screens. You know, uh, that's a really interesting concept that maybe there, there's something about it that they're you know, having struggles with, but instead of dealing with that, they'll focus on something different and, you know, ask a question about it. Yeah. And when you answer, you may dive into a rabbit hole and you find yourself in wonderland. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's just, it's just crazy. Some of the things 
that people do. And part of leading, learning how to lead a group is understanding that you're going to get those kind of questions that will take you away from what you're talking about mm -hmm. and say, that's a good question for a later time. Let's look at what we're talking about today, though. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have you have ways of dealing with that and say, great question. Where'd you see that in this passage? Exactly. Yeah. Because and we only have time to talk about what's in this passage. We don't have time to talk about everything. Yeah. And in fact, I usually, you know, encourage people to say that something very similar to that as well is, so how does that help us see what this says about God and man? Mm -hmm. And because sometimes it's the question that has something to do with some technical thing of off to the side that it's not, it wouldn't help them answer the question about God's character or man's character or anything like that. And so, you know, directing them back to what they're supposed to be focused on and stuff is often there, you know, so, so David, why is it so important to, to be careful about answering questions? Like what, what does that do when we become someone who's becomes the answer person? That says to people that they're not qualified to read the word and understand it on their own and hear God and respond to his message on their own. They have to have some sort of in the intermediary to do that. And that's what the church has said for years. For a matter of fact, for thousands of years, the church has said, without us, you can't understand the word of God. Mm -hmm. Without the pastor, you can't understand the word of God. Without the teacher, you can't understand the word of God. So in order to understand this Bible that they didn't want to publish for a thousand years, seriously. Mm -hmm. and, and it, you know, it wasn't until it wasn't until the, the 1500s that we started seeing people actively using the Bible in their own languages. And, and so the, there was this mystery about the Bible that only these people that stand up there in those wonderful robes with, with all these things around them that, that portrayed the story of Christ, did they feel qualified to answer those questions? And if they didn't, if they, that was the environment that all of us really grew up in. Don't, don't ask those kind of questions. I can remember going home, even as a kid and saying, daddy, why did the pastor say, and I would say such and such, he goes, oh, you'll learn about that later. <laughs> and, you know, you keep asking the questions, but it's always kind of the, oh, you'll learn about that later. And it was just avoided at home is just the, and at the same time, I said, they're going, I really would like to have a conversation about this topic. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and you make such a great point, David, that this has been something that Satan has used this concept of there has to be an expert to teach the Bible. I mean, you mentioned that the Bible wasn't even available in the tongue of the average person for the longest time. And just a, a, a few days ago, um, it was the anniversary of William Tyndale, who got mm -hmm. burned at the stake for the fact that he translated the scriptures into English. And, you know, he wasn't burned at the stake by, you know, atheists or Muslims or anything. It was the established church of the time and the enemies to that. And so, and I think also, David, it is a barrier to movement. You know, why this is such a stronghold is like, how can people hand this off? They feel like they have to have an expert. And that's the reason if we answer questions, we set ourselves up as the expert and we want it to stay, you can understand this on your own. And as a group, you can correct each other to come to the right decision 
about this passage of scripture. Now, I don't think any one person can come to that decision uh, reliably all the time, but I have great confidence in groups. Mm-hmm. They do come to those, those answers to those questions reliably time and time and time again. Doesn't matter family background, doesn't matter educational background, it doesn't matter uh, their, their cultural backgrounds. When you put them in a room with four or five other people sitting around reading, a, reading the Bible, the first assumption is, the first assumption is the Holy Spirit's going to be there. Mm-hmm. He inhabits his word. He's going to be there. Right. And that means they're not without guidance. And scripture says in John, in John chapter six, verses 44, 45, that everyone who listens and learns from God will come to Christ. Right. And we're, we're better to listen and learn from God than his own voice speaking to us out of the word mm-hmm. and us listening to that voice. Even though we may not understand all the words or all the concepts, it's like any new thing as you're exposed to it week after week after week, you go back and say, now I know what that said. And I mean, I remember when I went to seminary, my goodness, it took me three months to understand what the professors were saying. I had so much vocabulary to learn that I'd never heard before. I mean, there were words I had literally never heard hundreds and heard hundreds of words before. Right. And, and when, I, when I did my doctoral work in, in, in psychology and, and mental health, again, huge vocabulary before I could understand what people were saying. But I was driven to, to learn that vocabulary. And I spent time. I just spent time with vocabulary lists, learning, learning these definitions of these exotic words that I haven't heard before. And, and once you get that down, then you start in understanding starts, starts coming. Well, the same thing happens when people study the Bible. That's the reason I, I want it to go slow and I want it to go long. Hmm. You say, well, it takes you know, 20, 20 weeks, 25 weeks to get through all this. That's, that's too long. So too long for what? And what well, they're really what saying is, I we're saying, I don't want to do this for 26 weeks <laughs> instead of saying, you know, in 26 weeks, they're going to hear the same words over and over again and in a context, and they learn the meaning from the context. And, and, you know, and that's a really good point, David. Whenever we become the answer people, we cut people off from learning the skill of being able to really suss this out and think this through themselves. You know, I, I uh, taught as a English teacher in high school and coming from a, a background of which I was a homeschooler. When I was a homeschooler, I was given a book. I was expected to read the book, understand the book, and be tested on the book. But because, you know, going into the classroom setting and realizing that's not how we've, we've taught, we've basically spoon-fed everybody exactly what they're supposed to be learning, why have reading comprehension? Why learn for ourselves anything? And so when I would stand up and read something and ask simple questions, by, by and large, I would get blank stares and wide open eyes of like, I don't know, you know, type of thing, because we've cut people off Uh from having the skill of being able to see these things for themselves. And so we have to have patience to be able to let them develop that skill and to let them be able to discover. And they're not on their own. Like you said, the Holy Spirit's with them. So let's delve into this questions about answering questions. (laughs) Uh, in a DVS. So, so let me first ask this, David, are there any kinds of questions that are okay to answer? 
uh, what time is it? Uh, who's this guy sitting next to me? <laughs> but the, well, hopefully they know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 the thing about reading, because the questions are asked, you're reading the passage and you're saying, how would you say this in your own words, which tells us whether they're comprehending or not, mm -hmm. or they can't put it in their own words. And then to see if they're learning, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about man? It focuses them, uh, them in on what's it, what's it really saying to me about God and man? And then the, the question is, how are we going to uh, obey this in our own life if it's from God? And, and again, it's the same thing. It's a question that takes them to through. I have to make a decision about my behavior now. It's not just knowing these things. I have to make a decision about my behavior. And then, oh, now that you've learned this, who are you going to share it with? You know, why do we say that? Because we don't want it to stay in the group. We want it to move outside the group and sets the stage for future evangelism. That's, that's just part of that. And, and then when they come back, there's questions asked. How did it go with obeying this passage? Mm -hmm. How did it go with sharing this passage with others? How did it, how did it go with with uh, your obedience part of this and what went right, what went wrong, how to go with talking to your families and friends about this. See, it's all about us asking the questions to get them doing the right things. And, Absolutely. And, and, and so, is, oh, sorry, something you pointed, you said, I want to point out is the retelling part of it. You know, a lot of times people kind of glaze over that part, especially in the West, we like to glaze over the retelling part or not do that great of a job of it and then expect people to be able to discover based upon it. But it's, if we take the time and really have them learn and be able to say the story in their own words, that's going to clear up a lot of comprehension problems mm -hmm. for the rest of it. They're actually going to be able to discover to discover it. And each question is designed for them to get to deeper and deeper levels of comprehension of what the story means and, you know, the important parts for them to understand. Yeah. And the interacting with other people outside the group. Also, they might get questions that they, they can, they can say, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think I'll know it in a few weeks. Those, you know, mm -hmm. those are the kind of things, but within a few weeks, we hope they know they're not supposed to answer those questions. They say, you want to, Oh, why don't, why don't we start a new Bible study with you and, and your family and friends? And let's see, let's see if we can learn together what it says. And that that's part of the, part of the, play. the moment you start answering questions, you kill the evangelism process. Mm, I like that. Right. I mean, that's, that's the reality of this. The, once you, you have to say, now you need to write this in this question, you say, what should I write here? Well, you should write this. And I say, well, what do you think you should write there? That's about what you think you should write here. Mm -hmm. you, you've read the passage. We've read it together. We've read it over and over together. We've talked about it. What do you think you should write there when it says, how would you explain this or say this to a person when you don't have a Bible in front of you or you don't have this lesson in front of you? But you said, I, I learned something interesting. And they said, what did you learn? You go, hmm. I'm not sure we practice. So you'll have, this is what I learned from God. This is what I learned from the people in the room with me talking about what we heard from God. And, and at, there comes a point where you say, as I prayed and thought through this, this is what God has taught me. Mm -hmm. And those, those are the kind of things that we, we, 
we have to build in step by step over time. And I'm, I'm, as much as we've tried to help people understand the discovery process, many people glaze over that and just go to the outline and say, scripture, <laughs> you know, what does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about man? They, they just fill in, the, fill in the blanks. I'm saying, look, this is a process. Mm-hmm. And, and the process was developed because everything else I did didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I tried everything. I've tried every evangelism method. I've tried every church planning method. I've made up some of my own and those didn't work either. And then on, on December the 9th, 1991, I was in prayer time and God said, David, this is how I want you to do things. And I wrote it down. And that's what the discovery lesson is. That's what God said to me on that date. And it's still written in my Bible. You look at what people are doing today. It's the same thing we're doing in 1991 when we started it. And you know, David, what you said there about that, as soon as you start answering questions, it kills the evangelism of it. How in the world can a person, you know, it, it just kills the atmosphere. You know, now it's about come and listen from the expert and ask the expert instead of this is something that we're doing that we can easily pass off to other people. And it just stops that process. So let me ask this, David, you know, um, in this re- in this regard, what kinds of questions shouldn't we answer? When people ask us, well, the, the ones that are okay are like, what's the definition of a term that you don't, a word that you don't understand. And I often, when people say, what's the definition of this word? I said, hold on a second. And I go in, I have a stack of pocket uh, dictionaries that I have, and I take one of them and I give it to them. I said, it's, it's in here. Or I guess in the modern day, you could say, why don't you Google it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I still worked in a place with, with paper and pen back in sure, 1991. Sure, sure. Overseas. But <laughs> yeah, the, the answer to that is you can, you can answer that. But you got to be careful there because there's lots of people who have opinions about the passages you're reading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they Google those and start saying, well, so-and-so That's said true. this and so-and-so said that. And, and, and it's a real distraction when you start getting outsiders putting opinions into a group. So maybe a dictionary app. <laughs> yeah they could that, use that yeah so the 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 issue is we don't want anyone telling people what the bible is saying to them right. we want them to listen to god and say what god is saying to them mm-hmm. and that's that's point we talk about when we're, when we're reading these passages these are from god and we listen when we read them and we talk about them and we memorize them or we say them over and over again we are listening to god so what is he saying to us? Absolutely. Um, and so- I, I don't want, I don't want to tell people what God is saying to them. I really don't. Right. Cause uh, I, that destroys a particular purpose. So let me go down and, and, and give some different examples of kinds of questions and maybe helping us understand how do we, how do we respond in those various different uh, situations? So I think the first one you were starting to talk about, which is the technical questions, you know, like, what is the meaning of this term? Um, what about something that might come, maybe it's not a literal definition of a word, but maybe it's something that's highly contextual inside the story or something like that. You know, something that you might not find in a regular dictionary, in other words. Yeah. What is five cubits? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is five cubits? <laughs> 
or mm. you know, what is a cerebellum, a seraphim? I mean, you, right, you, right, exactly. Something you would buy and find it maybe a biblical dictionary. Yeah, those those kind of words sometimes don't show up in in just language dictionaries. Right. The answer to that is still the same thing. It, if we're not understanding it as a group, it may not be necessary for us to understand it as a group. Or what do you think it's saying? And and people know by structures of sentence when something lands somewhere. It's a noun, it's a verb, it's an adverb, mm-hmm. it's an adjective, participle, whatever it might be. And, and they know in their own languages, okay, this is a noun. It's about something that I don't, I don't know what it means, but uh, do I have to know what it means to understand what the, what the sentence says? So you ask them maybe first off, what do you think it means? And then mm-hmm. if they can't answer that, then you say, then maybe ask them, so do you think you need to meet to, to know what it means to under, to, to answer the question? Okay, put rock this... in there. Does it change the, does it change the, the sentence for you Yeah, or person or something? Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, there's ways, I mean, when you look at how young children learn, mm-hmm. they learn by correcting each other. And mm-hmm. it's not, they're not learning usually from adults correcting them. They, they do get some of that, but they really learn from the child that's five steps ahead of them, giving them the, the answers, you know, oh, you don't say it that way. You say it this way. Oh, it doesn't mean that it means this. Sometimes they're wrong and they have to get corrected by a teacher later on. But the point is they're learning through, through jostling the language around and making wild guesses sometimes about what things mean or don't mean. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Mm. So, oh, well, this is the Holy word. We can't, Yes, it's the Holy Word, but you do you depend upon the Holy Spirit to help people understand it? I mean, it's kind of that simple. The, the, re, the reality is, is that most Christians don't really trust the Holy Spirit. Mm. We, we don't trust that he's there, and we don't trust that he set, does what the Bible says he does. Right, and, right. I mean, they may and, not and say so, it that way, but in the end, that's what's happening. Well, yeah, when you when you say I've got to have a, a subject matter a matter specialist tell me what this word means, that means the pastor or some teacher or something, then you're just saying, okay, God isn't a subject matter specialist. <laughs> he's not going to be able to get through to these people. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's he's not the expert. He's not the creator. He's not so many things. When you when you when you start saying when the Bible says the Holy Spirit is in the word of God and will help you to rightly define the word of God, divine it, to understand it out of, I mean, that we, we, we don't, we don't use that word divine anymore. Divide the whole divination thing for us is kind of weird, but back in the 15th century, that was you're understanding it almost magically. And that's, that's the kind of the context of that word. There, there's no, there's no sense of why you understand it. As far as the people looking from the outside in, you just seem to understand it all of a sudden on your own. And the whole divination understanding of that is, is, is lost on modern society. But, but the reality is when the Holy spirit is working in a room with a group of people, they, they come up with things that he wants them to hear and wants them to understand and that's the reason our prayer process is so vitally important to the, to the discovery process. If those of us who are facilitating and training people to facilitate discovery Bible studies 
are not active in prayer, we're probably going to see less effective discovery groups. Right, right. But where those of us who are believers who are involved in this process uh, need to be in prayer by name for people in the group. I mean, right. people There's say, a lot of spir- you- spiritual things going on here and they and have to contend always, for them. And people say, how do you pray so much? And I said, there's a lot to pray about. There's a lot to pray about. (laughs) I mean, you got 10 people sitting in a group. You're going to pray for each one of them. And you're going to pray for the group process. You're going to pray for the culture of that group. You're going to pray the facilitator in that group. You got so many things going on around each group. And if you've got 30 of those groups going, like I did it many times, matter of fact, one year, my my top year, I had 10,000 groups going. Now I wasn't running all those groups, but it was, it was, it was through, the people that I was equipping and training, running those groups. And at that point, none of them understood discovery, but we were using it. And early days, lots and lots of questions like the ones you, you've got up here. But the reality was, is that as we, as we prayed and had people praying and trusting and trusting the process, a lot of these questions go away. And it's interesting that even even when we're coaching our facilitator, we can sometimes imply questions they should ask, and we don't even mean to do that. We we just say, well, at this point, you might want to think about this, or you might want to do this, or you might want to say this. And and all of a sudden, they're saying, well, okay, what else am I missing that I'm supposed to say and do? And and so once you start teaching them, instead of just saying, hey, we want you to go in, you're going to read these passages. You're going to ask these questions and you're going to ask them to make a commitment to, to obey them and a commitment to talk to other people about them and come back to the next week and tell us what happened. People say, how long does the coaching last? I said, well, a really bad coaching session to a, to a facilitator, five and a half minutes. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a long process to say, here's, here's the passages. Here's the questions you're going to ask. Here's the order you're going to ask them in. And this is what you're going to ask when they come back. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, people are going to say, is that really all it is? I said, that's all it is when I do it. I've, and I've been doing it this way since 1991. I mean, it just seems to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, <laughs> I mean, we're approaching 500,000 churches started by this method globally. Mm-hmm. 500,000 churches. I think there might be something of, there, David. There might be something there. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. And, and, you know, you're speaking very much to the practicality point of you want, you, you want the discovery process to go well. You have, you have to mobilize prayer and you have to personally pray for all these people and contend for those, uh, for those things there. Um, now, now, David, what about questions that have to do with the context of the story? you know, are things like, well, how did they get into Egypt? And, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's like, how do you know what to answer or not what to answer when it comes to contextual uh, questions? I think context becomes apparent as, as a story grows. Mm. So think about it. Take any story you read, the first page, you have no context at all for that story. Mm-hmm. And some books, you get all the way through them. You never had a context. You go, cool story. I wonder when and where and why it happened. You know, you just, there's mm-hmm. just not there because it's a story. Well, scripture doesn't work that way. 
because what we're dealing with, every verse they're dealing with is going to be dealt with again in New, New Testament context. Mm-hmm. And it's dealt many times in the Old Testament. Those, those stories are retold by prophets. Those stories are retold by other people. They're, they're disbelieved. They're proved. They're believed. They change lives. So all of this is going on in the Bible. So as we start the process, people are going to say, what's the context? The context of the Bible. Hmm. And there's a lot in here. There's wow. centuries, centuries of time inside the Bible. And, and, you're, and you, as, you, as you start reading through it, people say, what's the context here? I say, we'll get to that. I mean, the okay. answer is we'll get to that. So that's it. So if we were, if it was like the, the, the question, like maybe it went from the flood and then it, uh, and Abraham and Isaac, and then now they're in Egypt and they said something like, well, you know, how did they get into Egypt? You know, kind of thing you would say. Yeah. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about where that happened. <laughs> so it's like so Abraham, Abraham becomes a part of the story that we're going to talk about. There you go. So you, you can just basically reflect back and say, wait and see. Yeah, we, we say we'll get to that. We're dealing with this passage right here. And yeah, in the, in the first five or six things we're doing, we're dealing with, with uh, who is God. And they want to ask pe- questions about who are these people. Mm-hmm. And what we need to say, this passage about is about who is God. We want to focus on who is God. Mm, there you go. There you go. So, so getting back to not, we don't have to understand the entire storyline. We're trying to understand who he is and yeah. in, in this particular moment. Good, cool. Um, so we're like, we're, we're basically like detectives. We've, we've got this book of clues and we're going to, we're going to read this book to find the clues that tell us who God is. There you go. That's a, and, that's a good and way of looking at it. As the, as the story develops, we're going to have our pieces of story that mesh with the Bible. Mm-hmm. I remember when something like that happened to me, or I was praying and I saw this, or I was thinking, and this, this thought came to mind. The Holy Spirit's at work when people are saying those kind of things. You think, oh, it's just human nature. No, it's not human nature. Human nature would be read the story and go home, mm-hmm. not sit around and talk about it and discuss it and, and make a difference about it. And as we, as we start trying to think of what will go wrong where we actually may cause those things to go wrong. But when we just say very simply, it's a simple truth, simply obeyed, read the passage and, and whatever it says, you don't understand all of it. That's okay. Deal with the part you understand. It's okay not to understand, deal with the part you understand. And, you and from outsiders, we want to answer every little question. We'll make sure everything is understood. It's unnecessary. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. If you're listening in the CDM app, you can click below or you can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app.